this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. I can't ever remember a service where we don't have at least one brown in the service uh, and they're all, all the, uh, Chris and Ruth and their whole family, they've all gone to um, share uh, Hudson's 30th birthday, so happy birthday Hudson and um, God bless all you guys, we love you, um, but fantastic people, big shout out to uh, everyone who's serving in the house today, thank you, you're doing a great job and it's always um, just such a blessing to have a friendly face on the door, people helping out with the kids, people obviously, the musos, the people that you see, the people that you don't see, but you're doing a great job and thank you. So we've been doing a series on uh, kingdom culture and I actually feel like uh, John, uh, John, I was going to say Janelle and uh, Tim have already preached um, a message this morning because the aspect of the culture uh, that we're going to be sharing and looking at today is faith. Um, kingdom culture. Jesus is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords and he has his ways which are not our ways and not the ways of this world. They're his ways. They're founded before creation. Uh, His rule is really absolute, unassailable and unable to be overthrown and we find fantastic security. When we come to him, we come to the word of God and we come to him, you will find faith, you will find peace, you will find a confidence for living today, overcoming trials and all the fears that are presented today. There is a lot of fear presented by the media. The culture of the world doesn't have the same security or the same foundations. And in more recent years, if you just think about some of the world events or some of the events that have gone on in the nation and it wasn't that long, terrorism was just full on. And people were fearful of, of terrorism. And then we had a pretty significant drought. We had some pretty hectic fires, floods. Um, you know, people are getting all passionate about climate change. People are now getting passionate about Black Lives Matter. Well, let me tell you, in Christ, all lives matter. There's no slave, no Jew, no Gentile. They're all mat- they all matter. And people's fears, people are dictated by the circumstances in the, in the nations, in the culture of the world. We, are, we have a different culture. We have a culture of God's ways. His ways are not our ways. They're his ways. And when you receive Christ, you enter into a place of absolute security. Because it's not only ways for now, but it's ways that look forward into the future. There are ways in faith that reach out into the future and they go beyond into eternity and it gives us great encouragement. So faith, the culture of faith, such a small little word really, faith. But who can really measure the potential of one little word, faith? One word, faith. What is it? What is faith? One word, faith. So much potential. Who can ever really express or represent the potential 
in that one word. Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 26, he said, with God, all things are possible. Then in Mark 9, 23, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, it's really quite simple and easy to accept that God can do whatever he wants. And so you can go, yes, God, all things are possible because you are God and you created the universe. So I'm imagining that you can do whatever you want. And we see Jesus doing some crazy stuff like walking on water and, and cursing a fig tree and calming a storm. It's just like, wow, that is, it blows my mind. But here he says the same thing. He says all things are possible to him who believes. So it's easy to consider that God can do whatever he likes, but faith is the channel that makes God's possibilities available to us. Through faith, all that is possible with God becomes equally possible with us. We have a culture of incredible possibility. You have a culture. We have this place of incredible possibility. So what is faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Another version says it's a substance of things hoping for. So what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for in your life? What are you hoping for in your children? Have you got circumstances? And with those circumstances, do you have hope? Do you have hope? Are you hoping for something good? In Romans 4 verse 18, it says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, this is pretty crazy because Abraham at this time is ridiculously old to be thinking about having a son. He's 80 at this point. But he faced the facts, I'm too old. But then he focused on God, focused on God, and then focused on what God said. I mean, talk about get your hopes up. 80, I want to have a son. I'm going to get my hopes up. You know, we should be the most hope-filled people in this community. Get your hopes up. Get them up so high, get them way up. Get them up to heaven. Get your hopes up. Everyone, get your hopes up. Get some hope. Get some hope up. And it's not a fanciful hope. It's not unrealistic. It's based solely on who God is and what he said. It's based on his promises in the Bible, based on his his word. Faith is in the heart. Hope is in your mind. There's a difference. Faith is in the heart. Hope is in the mind. Romans 10, verse 10 says, For it is with your heart that you believed and are justified. It is with your heart that you believed and are justified. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 says, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, faith and love go in the heart, go in the spirit, covers, it protects, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. It will protect you. It will protect your mind because Satan has a plan. And fear, or whatever it is, wants to get in your mind. If you are not got your hopes up, You're going to find different thoughts going on, fearful thoughts, fear getting in your mind. And when fear and doubt spend too much time going around in your mind, they can get down into your heart and cause you to have unbelief. And that's his plan, is to have you in a place of not believing 
Because believing causes you to connect with God and causes salvation. But unbelieving causes you to fall away from God and causes, well, I suppose, if you think about it, hell. It's the reality of it. So get your hopes up. Get them way up there. If you have an attack of sickness, I'm sure that there's probably going to be fear at some point. And you might hope to be well. Well, the Father God, we know that God is represented by Jesus. Jesus is a healer. So you know God is a healer. Psalm 103, what does the word say? It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Nothing is too specific that it's outside of his touch. You can be touched by God, doesn't matter what it is, you can be touched by God. And fear will come on you at whatever opportunity it can. And there's a lot of fear pumped through by the media these days. And we've got to get our hopes up. We've got to get connected in hope and then get connected in faith. And I learnt this very early on. And when I early came to Christ, uh, after a little while, I thought, I want to get married. That's what I thought. And it was a good idea. Um, but everyone else around me seemed to be getting married and it just didn't seem to be happening for me. And so I started getting this fear and it got anchored in some circumstances of, oh, you're never going to get married. It's not going to happen for you. So after a little while, I just said to God, God, can I have a wife? It's a pretty deep prayer. Pretty deep. Can I have a wife? After a, like, a, a, like over a year, I'm like, God, can I have a wife? And he says to me, but impresses very on my heart, Byron, do you have a wife? And I didn't go, duh, I'm not married. <laughs> I realised that he sees the beginning, he sees the end, he sees everything. So I'm like, okay, this has got something to it. All right, what are we talking about? Yes, I have a wife because I took my mind to my future and went, yes, I've got a wife. Okay, all right. Then I'm like, okay, I've got to connect this hope. All right, he who finds a wife finds what is good and obtains favour from the Lord. That's in somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. And I um, just started dwelling on that. And then in Genesis, early on, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, and, and Adam gets created a wife. Um, and so I start anchoring on, on these things. Um, and so, so my, my um, fear is, is dispelled in that in that season because I'm starting now to focus on the Lord, focus on what he says and not focus on what I don't have. Uh, and so my hopes, they're up there. I'm telling you, they're up there. And one day we're at a church picnic and we're just out at Matcham playing cricket, as you do at a church picnic. And um, Sarah comes out to bat and I have seen her for seven years playing the keyboard and not once ever considered that she could be my, my wife until she came out to bat this day in cricket and I'm just standing there in the field and she just stepped down the wicket like Janelle's going to appreciate it. And she just hit the ball so hard straight over my head and straight away my hope just got some tangible faith right there. And I was just like, did she just do that? And my faith just went tangible right there. God bless you, baby. But that was a great lesson for me because a lot of prayers are prayed in hope. But hopeful prayers don't necessarily, I don't think hopeful prayers get answered. 
Jesus never responded and said to someone, oh, your hope has made you well. He just said to them, your faith has made you well. They were hoping for it. Jesus went up to a blind guy and said, what do you want? Well, I'm blind. They said, I want to see. I want to see. People went up and they, they extracted power when they had faith. But hope is very important because it protects your mind and it helps you to focus your faith. So there you go. Faith. That's what faith, that's how it works. So turn to faith. Now, faith connects with the unseen. Faith connects with the unseen. Faith relates to the invisible. Senses relate to the visible. The culture of the world says, when I see, I will believe. I'll believe in God when he shows up. I'll believe it when I see it. That is not the culture of faith. Faith doesn't see it. Faith sees God and faith sees God's Word. And God showed up once. Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. That's who He is. And the whole time He was on earth, He responded to faith. This fantastic book by Smith Wigglesworth, and he tells this story of a lady who had goiter. It's a big growth that gets from your thyroid, gets on your neck. And she came forward to testify that she'd been healed. However, plain to see, the goiter was still on her neck. Twelve months later, he was back at the same place in the same church, and the same lady came out to testify how Jesus had healed her of goiter, yet the goiter was as large as ever, still visible for everyone to see. And people scolded her, for false testimony, we're still there. And she just calmly said, Lord Jesus, why don't you show them what you showed me? The next day she came out and it was completely gone because she held on to who God is and what he had said to her. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And faith takes us behind the scenes. It takes us to an unseen foundations. It takes us to two unseen realities. And the first unseen reality that faith will connect you and take you to is God. Faith connects you to God. It takes you to God. The second unseen reality is the living Word of God. God and His Word are before creation. John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. What was seen was not made out of what was visible. So faith takes us to the very foundations of the unseen. It takes us into a place that's absolute, that's, that's secure. It takes us into these foundations that were before now, before this world, before everything, and it connects us to God. And faith is solely and exclusively related to these two realities that you cannot see with the natural eye. Abraham's wife, Sarah, it says in Hebrews 11, verse 11, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. She considered him, God, unseen, and then she considered 
his promise. And this is where you will find faith when you consider God and you consider his promise. Ten, ten years ago, Sarah and I started a business. And coming up to that, uh, we, um, I, I had this scripture going through, through my, my life. God works all things for good for those that love him who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. And for, for a couple of years now, and we decided to start this business. I had a full-on attack of fear um, and just sort of kept it to myself and was, wasn't sure which way to go. And I had a, a few thousand dollars, and that was about it to start a business. And this fear came on because I had a mortgage, I had a pregnant wife and a two-year-old. I'm like, how am I going to pay for all of that? How am I going to keep that going? And so... I had to get my eyes off the circumstance or, or what was there and focus my attention on God. So I focused on two things, that God loves me and um, you know, his, his promises. There's many, many promises about his love that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So I focused on his love. And the other thing I focused on was this promise of, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Such a great start to a business because I've been doing that ever since and we're still going pretty strong 10 years later. Uh, and the other thing that, that happened at the time, Sarah just said to me, well, you better get out there and sell yourself. And when your wife says that, you better do it. <laughs> My skill. My skill skills in rubber lane that's what it was um so yeah it was this fantastic season of of overcoming fear starting a business when it's sort of in the natural it was like you shouldn't start a business because how are you going to do that and we had no money and we went forward with it anyway and god blessed me so many times on the way i mean so many opportunities so many things just lined up um, from living in his ways and having faith and having trust in him. I walked into a supermarket, bumped into a bloke who I played soccer with. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm laying some rubber by myself. And he said, oh, I've got a job. Can you fix it? And it was a massive job. And then I, I'm still working for that guy. I do probably a job for him every year. So many little things just keep, keep, keep kicking into gear. And God just saw it the whole time. And all I did was trust in him. So praise the Lord. The world says seeing is believing. Kingdom culture reverses that order. First we believe, then we will see. First we believe, and then we will see. Faith enables us to see the unseen and to endure when the visible world offers no hope or encouragement. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. We're people of the unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. So we focus on God and focus on his promises. When I was in high school, which was a long time ago, my mum made a cake and forgot to put sugar in it. And I love cake. And especially as a teenager, um, you know, teenage boys have appetite. Anyway, I'm like, we can't waste it. We can't, we can't waste it. This she wanted to throw it. Anyway, I'm like, I'm going to take it to school. I'm going to eat it. So I took it to school. And one, you know, you're around your mates at school. And then one of them's like, can I have some of your cake? And I'm like, sure. And then he eats it. And it's just like, what is wrong with this cake? And I'm like, oh, my mum forgot to put sugar in it. And it just went around the whole year. Oh, Byron's mum made a cake with no sugar. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard of. 
Anyway, I was keen. I ate it. I didn't care. It was cake. Didn't have that sugar or not. I had some appetite back then. Um, I want to give you seven ingredients to cultivate quality, quality faith. And it's important that you have ingredients. If you're going to make something, it doesn't matter if you're making concrete or if you're making a cake or if, whatever you're mixing up, you've got to have the right ingredients. And I want to look at a scripture in Luke chapter 17 and just very briefly touch on seven things and one thing in particular for you to take home today. And often we think that we need more faith. Uh, I've thought that many times. I need more faith. I need more faith. You need the quality that connects with heaven. So let's look in, chapter, in Luke chapter 17. And the apostles at this point, they ask Jesus, increase our faith. And it starts here. I'm just going to start with this because it's actually important. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. This is the culture of faith. This is the culture of the kingdom. And the apostle said, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Now I went looking for a mustard seed. This morning, I spent a lot of time, got out the spice rack. I'm like, we've got mustard here somewhere. How small is this stuff? Anyway, it's a bit goopy and it's in the fridge. But I found a pepper seed and if it's there and it's about 10 times the size of a mustard seed. And that, that's not much faith. We're not talking a big deal here. But in that seed, some sort of pepper tree will grow. Um, but you've got to have the right kind of faith and it's small but that small faith if you got faith and no doubt in your heart if we come in one day and the tree is out on the street we'll know that Ruth has been in there practicing (laughs) cast this tree out (laughs) not that one we like that one but but faith from the unseen comes into the physical it's, it's there. And so he says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. And then he tells them this very sort of bland, practical story of a servant. He says, suppose one of you has a servant ploughing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. So seven things in this that I want to give you for quality faith, because he's talking about a very small amount of faith. So you don't need more faith, you just need the quality that connects with the kingdom. So the first thing is that forgiveness comes with faith, and it comes before faith. So you remember, we've had in our church over the years, we've had this guy twice, Ian McCormack, he's called the jellyfish man. He was stung by, I think, four or five um, uh, mature box jellyfish you do not survive if you get stung by one anyway he got dragged out of the ocean dumped on the beach and in this moment he realizes this is it so he starts having these thoughts about God the only thing he knows about God is the Lord's prayer and he has a vision of the Lord's prayer it's an incredible story he's been going around and telling it for 
40 or 50 years or something. Um, 40 years, did I get that wrong? Hey, he's old now. It was in the 70s, 80s. Anyway, it was back around then. John, correct me. Um, so um, anyway, he has this vision of the Lord's Prayer. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And it's coming up in his vision and he's seeing it. And he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And as that comes up, it starts to disappear and all these faces pop into his mind. The guy that dumped him on the beach, he was angry with him and offended. Some other people that have offended him and he can't see anything after that. All he can see is these faces. He's like, well, I can't forgive them. They, did, they, did, they, they left me for dead. And that guy, well, he ripped me off. I can't forgive that. And then he realises, no, no, it's part of the requirement. So he forgives them all and then he gets the vision again. Now, some things in life are very difficult to forgive. And some people need the grace of God. They need God's help to forgive those things that we don't have the strength to forgive. And that's the way it is. And you'll find grace in those moments if you come to God in faith. You will find His power takes you to places of forgiveness. But forgiveness comes first. So number one, forgiveness. The second thing about quality of faith is faith is more about quality than it is about quantity. There's a centurion, a Roman officer comes up to Jesus and says, heal my servant. And Jesus said, I'll go with you and I'll heal your servant. He says, no, 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 no. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say it from where you are. I don't deserve to have you. You are the Lord. Come under my roof. Such honour. Such respect. But what it was, was he just had a basic trust and confidence in Jesus' spoken word. And that is the quality of faith. Just basic trust and confidence in Jesus' spoken word and his servant was healed. Number three, faith is cultivated from a servant heart. If you look at this passage, suppose one of you has a servant. Suppose one of you has a servant. It says of Jesus, well, Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Faith comes, is cultivated in a servant heart. And you will look around in the kingdom of God in the planet at the moment, the people of faith, the people that we, Chris and Ruth, the pastors, there's so many people of faith, churches, all of them, servant heart. Servant heart. So many servants in this place. I think of my mother-in-law. Been in, out with the kids today so I can talk about her. She reminds me of Yoda. She's not great with height and she's really powerful. Um, been serving in the kids' church ever since she's been in this church. And she has significant faith. She's a faithful person. Faith is cultivated in a servant heart. The fourth thing I want you to know about the quality of faith is that faith goes with faithfulness. The servant is ploughing in the field. He's looking after the sheep. It might not seem glorious, but what is not glorious on earth in the, here is very glorious in heaven. It might not seem glorious to look after the kids or to help in the sound desk, but faith is compared to really rare gold in the Bible. It's compared to rare gold. Faithfulness is, faith is cultivated with faithfulness and it can seem just doing that job, just, just doing that thing, just ploughing the field, Chris and Ruth, just looking after the sheep here now for over 25 years, just being faithful. It's pure gold. 
The fifth thing I want you to notice in this scripture, and it says, when he comes in, won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? The servant comes in, faith is cultivated from waiting. Faith is cultivated from waiting on God. Waiting for him to show up. Waiting on his word. Thinking about his word. Waiting in prayer. Taking that wait. Waiting. Just, just hanging out. Just hanging out with the Lord. Faith is cultivated when you spend time with Jesus, when you just wait on him, when you're just waiting for him. You don't have to be speaking the whole time, but it definitely comes from prayer and from being in the word and being with him. Faith is cultivated when you wait on God. Number six, faith is humble and speaks from a place of God's grace and not on your own ability or your credit. It's not like you can muster up the strength in your own strength. It's not like you've got the power or the anointing. It's him. He's got the power and the anointing. And Jesus says here, so also when you have done everything you were told to do, should say we are unworthy servants. We are unworthy servants. Grace has everything to do with what is undeserved, not deserved. I Anyone serving in the house doesn't get paid for it. It's all an honour. It's all undeserved. And this is where you will cultivate faith in an atmosphere of grace that says, you are worthy, God. We love you. We honour you. We've done our duty. And the seventh thing I want you to notice, and I want you to take this one home, I believe God wants to touch you on the heart, some of you, is that faith goes again and keeps on going. So, Ben, you guys can come up now. We'll close with this. Faith goes again. When the servant is out in the field and he's ploughing, when he's finished, when he's looking after the sheep and they're finished, he comes in and he goes again. And faith doesn't give up. It goes again and it goes again. And even if you don't get what you're hoping for, it continues. It does never, it never gives up. It goes again. Jesus is with Peter, James and John and they're coming down from the mountain. When they come down from the mountain, they've, they've been up the mountain, they've had this amazing experience. Jesus, is, his appearance has changed and is transfigured, if you know the story. And they come down and there's a crowd and there's a, a father with a, with a child. And he runs up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, heal my, my child. Your disciples, they couldn't do it. And Jesus says this. He says, faithless and unbelieving, perverse generation. I mean, wow. Imagine being there and having Jesus say that. You'd just be like, wow. But he's speaking to the, to the disciples. He's speaking to the crowd. And he rebukes an evil spirit. And later on, the disciples say, why couldn't we do that? Why, why couldn't we drive it out? And he says, because you have so little faith. And it's interesting because he's saying so little faith will cast the, cast the mulberry tree into the, yeah, a little faith, you don't, only need little faith. But what he's also saying to them, the, the man came up and said to Jesus, your disciples, they couldn't do it. So at some point they'd given up. And I'm telling you this morning that faith doesn't give up. It keeps on going. 
And what Jesus says to him, he says, you had such little faith, you didn't keep it in the fight. Faith is there to be kept in, to keep going, to keep it in the fight, to keep believing on God, to get a fresh revelation, to get into the Word of God. And that's what faith is there. And so we keep going. We take what God has spoken to us and we keep going with it. And then we go again. We go again. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.